cut, you know? You never know. How would they know? How would they know? Welcome back to another episode of the Mount Zion Overflow Podcast. I'm here with our Reverend Dr. Marcus Marcus (laughs) Allen. (laughs) As he is taking us through our first series of The Simple Church and... uh, Pastor, like, how does a church become simple? Like, what makes it just simple? Right, the goal is to just focus on doing the fundamental things of Christianity. Um, I think um, I didn't didn't want our church to veer off and to start doing um, or not doing, committing ourselves to doing things of of the basic tenets, right? Mm -hmm. Prayer, evangelism. Christian education um, and gathering, you know, we can't gather in person, but um, we still can gather online and virtually. And then also um, people, you know, we look at Jesus. Jesus was socially involved and engaged in the lives of the people in which he touched. And so I think uh, that's what, that was the goal, you know, that let's, let's just be a fundamentally sound church on the basic tenets of uh, Christianity. And one of those are the preached word? Oh, yeah. Okay. And as a preacher, of course, I'm sure you uh, <laughs> connect most with that one. Uh, so this week we're talking about Acts 2, uh, 30, uh, 36 through 41. Talk to us a little bit about what's happening i know mount zion is at acts 2 church we are very much focusing on that chapter of scripture uh, if you want to hear the history of the book of acts check out um our previous podcast you'll learn all about what's going on a quick re- reader's digest version of the book of acts but here in chapter two um we we're here with peter again and talk to us what's what's happening all right uh so what's just happened is uh, the day of Pentecost. We're on the day of Pentecost. Okay. And um, the Holy Spirit has des- descended upon um, 120 people. And and after it descends upon them, um, the first thing happens is a sermon. Mm. Because after they received the Holy Ghost, they leave the they leave the upper room in which they were in, and the people outside was like, "Yo, what what is going on? Um, you all speaking in these different dialects, which no one taught you. Mm-hmm. How are you speaking my language? Because it you know it was during the Passover time, and during the Passover, people would travel from afar to come back to Jerusalem." And as they're leaving, they see this and they wonder how these people speaking my language. And, and and so they were like, yo, what are you all doing? And Peter said, yeah. they said, are you drunk? <laughs> Peter said, no, it's too early. It's too early to be drunk. Um, but we have the Holy Ghost. And then he begins to explain what's going on with them. And you goes to the prophet Joel chapter two, and he just began to explain how say God is about to pour His Spirit out on all men, and so that's then then he preaches this sermon to them about Jesus, and we are gonna talk about it, how they treated Jesus, rejected him, and how Jesus is the hope and the way, 
And after he preached this sermon, 3,000 people joined the church. And so this was the start of the first church in the Bible. Oh, okay. Yeah, because prior to this, it's just there in temples and synagogues. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church has not been established yet. <clears throat> wasn't until Matthew 16, Jesus says, um, uh, Peter, Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? Some... Isaiah, Moses, and then Jesus said, yo, who, or one, you just one of the other prophets. That's what they tell Jesus. Jesus like, yo, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus tells him, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you. And on this rock, I'll build my church. So the church has not been established. Now the church is being established on the day of Pentecost after the sermon. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're so we're seeing the, the power of the church and the impact of it and truly at the foundation of it is is the preached word. And I can probably say too that I think at times we can view the pastor, the bishop, minister, whomever is is leading the church as just the person in the room that knows the most about the Bible. Right. You went to school for it. Um, but but there's there's more there's more to it, right? I'm not saying just in addition to blessing babies, being in <coughs> hospital rooms, baptism, but there's there's a there's a weight that comes with being um, the pastor of a church and, and carrying this word out. I know in Isaiah he talks about how um, the teachers and the preachers uh, are going to be judged the heaviest because they're the ones that are educating the people. Uh, Brady, when you answered your call, were you ever nervous about that? What? Is that a no? Nervous? <laughs> I still get nervous every Sunday. Every Sunday? When I first started preaching, I stepped on my call when I was 13 years old. I preached my first sermon when I was um, four. At least I got licensed when I was fourteen. Um, I probably didn't look at the crowd until I was about eighteen years old. Okay. So every sermon was head down. <laughs> so if it was um, if it was a, a recording back then, I will be in big time trouble. They'd be like this dude never looks up at all. <laughs> I'm just so terrified. Of, of of looking at the people I used to uh, take my church shoes or just gym shoes and put them on my bed and like yo these are the people <laughs> and try to preach to my shoes um, it was just hard right I was I was scared and and um, Jeremiah chapter 1 it says when Jesus when God calls Jeremiah he said I knew you right Mm-hmm. Before I ever formed you in your mother's womb, and then he tells them, "Don't be afraid of their faces." Mm. <clears throat> and I really never caught that because normally just read that Jeremiah first couple of verses. Never, never really read throughout the whole first chapter when 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 Jeremiah said, "No, I'm too young. I can't do this." Uh, I'm supposed to be a priest, and you calling me? I'm from a family of priests, and now you want me to be a prophet? That's not what we do. And 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 God said, "Yo, I'm gonna give you the words to say, 
and don't be afraid of their faces. Mm. That has stuck with me because the word of God has to go forth no matter what, how I feel about it. Yeah. But even in some moments, you know, faces. Right now, I wish I could see more faces mm-hmm. while I preach because I'm comfortable now. Yeah. Um, but back then, I was like, yo, um, if I see somebody sleep, yeah. they used to throw me off. <laughs> uh, if I say something and I see somebody roll their eyes, or if I, if I see somebody not paying attention or they're on their phone or something, they used to throw me off. But I'm cool now, you know. I love to see some faces. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me back to sleeping people. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? I love to see some faces in church right now, but but um I live with that fear of approaching the pulpit unprepared and not speak fluently what God has told me. Mm. And so, I never want to go into the pulpit unprepared. It's a fear mm-hmm. that I live with. Um, because I want to make sure whatever I'm saying speaks life to the listener. Um, I was challenged <clears throat> a few years ago. Um, I was watching, I forget what celebrity funeral it was, but it was when the preacher said um, it's easy dying it's hard living yes and I said that and a member called me and said they almost committed suicide because it's easy dying wow right you agree with that statement right yes but you just don't know where people are mentally Mm mm-hmm um, because so I and that enhanced my thought process of what I must say because mm. whatever I say has power to hurt to harm or to help and to develop and so I'm intentional um, in my studies I'm intentional in and um, in my presentation and know sometimes I could be playful and I could be hurting people I just don't need to know. I received several messages like what you said hurt me because I dealt with that same thing. Like that wasn't my intention at all. Mm-hmm. And, and so and so not only must you as a preacher, right, you have to be intentional about your words, but also your presentation. Um, not at least your preparation and your presentation. Yeah. Because the way you prepare must be very strategic and have a plan behind it. And, 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 and then the way you present it must be in a way where everyone can receive it. Yeah. And if, and they got to receive it in, in a way that, that even though you may cut, you also can come back and heal those same wounds. Mm. That's a lot. Yeah. I can only imagine the the preparation that, that goes into that, um, especially if you're trying to produce change, mm-hmm. right? You want people to be changed at the end uh, of of the sermon. 
it seems more so here we're talking about the preach word and how it comes forth and so the focus is on Peter mm-hmm. and you make a note about that um, he was not known as one who could proclaim the word of God and but that he's often found speaking higher than his ability and I always think about the saying words God doesn't call the qualified he qualifies the called and this feels like a very great example of that and with you sharing your testimony and different things that have gone on in your life he's he's definitely continuing to qualify you um, to be in this role in this position because when you went to seminary did you know you'd be preaching in a pandemic no not at all. <laughs> so continuing to gain uh, new skills and and I think there's a as a member of a church there's definitely a connection piece like you always want to connect with the person preaching the word because I want to know that you've experienced some of the things that I have because right. that um, that means that we can be I can trust you right. and if you haven't gone through anything how are you going to help me that's going through a whole lot <laughs> yeah, looking at Peter, I think he was a prime candidate to be a preacher uh, because he talked so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I said, you, we 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 look through his life and in, in the Gospels, right? And all we see is Peter saying saying things that's beyond his ability. Um, he's trying to he's trying to. Uh, Hey, Jesus, let me come on walk on water with you. Mm-hmm. Jesus say, come, he falls. Um, he, Jesus said, hey, Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crow. He said, no, I won't. I'll die before I do that. What happened? Peter denies Jesus. Yeah. Um, he's speaking far greater than his ability, right? Um, but as I stated these tests and trials enhances his testimony, which allows him to preach the gospel from a different vantage point mm-hmm. because he's experienced it, right? There's some stuff I would like, yo, God, I don't have to go through this <laughs> to learn who you are. You don't have to take me through this. I believe. <laughs> I believe you're a healer. I believe you're a deliverer. I believe that you don't have to go take me through it to get an understanding of who you are. I am confident uh, who you are. So so uh, I commend those. You know, some, some preachers have been through so much way more than me and it enhances their testimony and things. Um, but I'm like, yo, I don't have to go. I don't have to get sick to know you're a healer. Mm-hmm. I don't need to be broke to know that you can pay my bills. Right. I, I, I trust that you're doing it now. I'm just I'm just living off your favor, right? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, um, uh, Peter Peter was that, right? He was this um, broad, confident, bold, um, but when it came down to it, he couldn't live up to the, his words. Yeah. It was not until he received the Holy Ghost. That now he's able to walk in his in his purpose, and the fulfillment of his life is now coming to pass because of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Yeah, and kind of that. He has to live out the preached word. Mm-hmm. And I would say I don't think that's what people think when they come to church on a Sunday. 
they, they just, they want to receive. They spend their time with God. It's like, cool. Pastor preached good today. But then the application and the accountability, kind of those um, additional steps that it takes when like you receive the preach word, um, but then you have to do something with it, which we'll get into mm-hmm. a bit later. Right. Um, yeah, that's that, that's and that's you know, that's the difficult part for the preacher. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. You know how the message is received. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I have to come to grips over some things. But what you, what else you got for me? <laughs> I don't want to dive too far too fast. Well, well, we will get there. Um, we yeah, let's see. Talk about being drunk in the spirit and. And how that makes you go places that you weren't necessarily intending to go and think like you being drunk with the spirit, being drunk with the Holy Ghost, Mm -hmm. you have to have the power in the sermon has to be Christ centered. Right. And you say that and and I had to check myself and I'm like, aren't they all Christ centered? They're not. And I mean, isn't that the intent? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that that's the that's that's the intent. It should be okay. Um, I'm not one to bash preachers at all, um, or other pastors. I'm not one to do that. I'm just saying, um, from my point of view, mm-hmm. every sermon must be Christ centered. Um, I was at a conference, E.K. Bailey preaching conference, and. Steve Lawson, um, Dr. Steve Lawson stated, um, Jesus is found throughout the whole canon from Genesis through Revelation. And if you pull a strand in Genesis, it'll wrinkle the pages in Revelation. Mm. (laughs) 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 And so so whenever we're preaching, the central theme dedicated to each text should be Jesus Christ. All right? It's a Greek word called the kerygma. should always be mentioned, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Life, death, mm. burial, and resurrection. Uh, and, and, I, and I would say that in every story, something lives, something dies, and something needs to be resurrected. Mm. Okay. So something lives, something dies, and something needs needs to be resurrected. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so and so how do you ensure that your sermon is Christ centered, right? You need to make sure no no matter what, Jesus is the thing because that's what we believe. Mm-hmm. We're Christians from Christos, which is Christ. We 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 are uh, we are the church because of the death of Jesus Christ. And and so all of our sermons, no matter who we are, if we're, if we're preaching the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we are Christian preachers, our sermons need to be focused on Jesus hmm. from Old Testament uh, to the New, New Testament. Okay, so continue to stay kind of with that focus. And you do talk about the how Christ is not Jesus' last name. <laughs> Which I said, wait, what? My whole life, I had no idea. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, and, and you talk about 
the the meaning of each in Greek and in Hebrew. And I think that, again, bringing Christ to us, um, talking about how Lord, he rules all, but Christ, he connects with all. So then that makes him, like, I can reach him. Right. He's touchable. He's, he's in my space. And, and I think that's very helpful when we're sharing the word. Right. To know that it's, that it's attainable. Uh, I know we had talked about this before, is that people say, I need to get my life right before mm-hmm. I come to church or before I give my life to Jesus. And, and that is not what is the scriptures say at all is come as you are come it's come um yo just so um again peter this is peter's sermon and in peter's sermon um the central theme of the sermon is jesus himself right Mm -hmm. he says uh, verse 36 therefore let all the house of israel know assuredly that god has made this jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. God has made him that way. The one you crucified. He's Lord. He's over all things. He's Christ. He's the Savior of all things. So he's both. He, he's both, right? And in and, and, and the house of Israel, the children of Israel, many just could not and still will not wrap their minds around Jesus being the Christ. Um they're still waiting for a messiah mm-hmm. whereas we say hey he was the messiah he's the savior of the world and so this is why we believe this and i believe i believe it to be true because over 20 2000 years later we're still talking about this man true <laughs> right mm-hmm. the bible is still the most sold book every year you feel mm-hmm. what i mean uh, so, so we we're still talking about this Christ, this Jesus, um, because even like in Acts chapter four, they're saying, "Let these disciples go," because there there have been other movements, other men who have come, and when they die, the movement dies, but Jesus dies, and the movement enhances. Mm. Right? It continues to grow. It continues to expand, and so um, that that's. That's the purpose of preaching is the gospel of Jesus Christ is to share it, is to give it that someone may be able to see the glory of Christ. And and as stated in the sermon, too, this just not for the preacher that stands in the pulpit. All of us are proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us should be able to evangelize or tell someone the story that Jesus lived, he died, and God raised him from the dead. And we all should be able to articulate that in a way that's convincing enough that people will change from where they are and ask you the question, how can I get more of that God you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, you do say that um, he has ordained all, ordained all of us. Mm-hmm. How do we become ordained? Is it just because we've accepted <laughs> Christ, we are now ordained? On the spot. Well, what else can I do? You get your ordination certificate <laughs> right there. Time, no, <laughs> time, time. You ex- once you experience it, once you experience who God is for you, now it's your responsibility to make sure others experience it. Yeah. Um, that no. Um, that's like right now you're wearing UW gear. Yes. 
you're they're sponsoring you're you're a walking billboard for them yes right uh because they've given you the this gear and and because they gave it to you now you don't even have to say anything mm. they just know you're connected in some way either you like the team as a fan mm-hmm. or you connect it as a follower don't Ooh. make me preach right now. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you feel what I'm saying? I do. I you do. And, and because they gave you something, now you wear it. Now when people see you, they know you're affiliated in some shape or some form. It's likewise, Jesus has given us the Holy Spirit. And our lives should be a symbol of who gave us something. He's given us life. He's given us hope. And our lives should resemble that. And people may ask, where you get that from? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Where, where you get that hat from? Okay. Where, 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 where you get that shirt from? And that allows you to open up and say, yo, nobody but the Lord. Where you get that smile from? <laughs> <laughs> where, 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 where you get this joy from? Yeah. Where, you, where, where, where do you get this calm demeanor from? I'm glad that you asked. Nobody. But the Lord, and so uh, once we once we receive the Holy Spirit, it makes us automatically ordained to tell others about Jesus Christ. Mm. Now we may not be able to articulate it by those who have gone to school or those who have studied the Bible, um, um, like commentaries, right? The uh, commentaries does not mean those people are right. It means they have more time to study. Yeah. You know, some of them you read like, what are you talking about, right? Mm. They just mean they just have more time than you to study the Bible. So they, it's just your way of doing a quick search of what they say. But <clears throat> but it's on you, right, to be you. All of us has the Holy Spirit inside of us that has given us intellectual ability to interpret the scriptures. Mm-hmm. What's going on in this text that can help me today, Right. What's happening back then that's relatable to right now? And how do Jesus connects it all? Yeah. And so that's, and that's, um, that's what happens. That's what we need um, when, when it comes to um, all of us being licensed, ordained proclaimers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says in Matthew, go ye therefore. Yeah. Make disciples. All of us. And he said, go ye therefore, preachers. He did that. And he said, go ye therefore, uh, pastors. Right? He said, go ye therefore, make disciples. All of us are responsible for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's something that we cannot put to the side. It's just a responsibility that we all must take on and be intentional about it. Yeah, we definitely, definitely have to be intentional about it. And I think, too, it comes with... Um, our own understanding too, like being able to tell our story. As if we can't efficiently, effectively, impactfully tell our story, um, we're not doing the work that we are called to do. Which takes practice. Um, And then looking more into the word as it convicts and convinces at the same time. Uh, So you talk about verse 37, and how um, people get cut 
because they have been <coughs> convicted, but now they want to know what what shall I do next? Right. Um, I think I think there was a very powerful moment, right? This is a a, a very powerful pivot in the text. Mm-hmm. Peter talks the whole time. Uh, if you go back, you know, um, through all this this whole um, text in Acts chapter two is mostly Peter talking, it's him preaching, and then the people say, um, "What shall we do now?" Right, they they recognize. You know, he ta- he he get you 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 crucified Jesus. You did it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Y'all, he's pointing at me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling them, "You all did this. You all you all played into this. You all made this happen." But Jesus still is the one that can save you. And the Bible says, and the word, after they heard it, it cut them to their hearts. And they and they asked Peter and the rest of the disciples, what shall we do? And I, I think that's a question after each sermon we must ask ourselves, what shall we do with this? Yeah, it's definitely, and I like that this turned, you talk about how it's a personal question to ask. Mm-hmm. Because I'll say my question has always gone to, Who's ever preaching the word? What shall I do? Tell me mm-hmm. what I need to do next. You already told me where I went wrong. Where I went wrong. <laughs> the hole I'm in. Where's my rope to help me out? Like, can you come on? And so the that, that pivot of thinking that okay, what what shall I do? How do I find the answers for myself? It's like yo, they they like yo. We don't want to leave the same way we came. No. We we came here one way. We've heard what you have said. Now, how do we become better? How do what what shall we do? And I think that's a very interesting question that must be um, answered, and hopefully it's answered through the preaching moment. Um, because I know you've heard several sermons where you know it's just a straight pounding. You mm-hmm. don't do this. You don't do this. You ought to be ashamed of yourself and all of this. Yeah. But that, but now tell me how to correct my wrong. Yes. With the word of God. Yes. How 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 do I become better with the word of God? And it is not these beatings and brutal uh, words that you put on me, but give me something mm-hmm. to help me be a better me. And I will say. I realize that's my phrase. So, um, you definitely give us some steps. You use alliterations a lot, which I appreciate. Uh, But yeah, definitely, I think that that requires us to be listening. Mm -hmm. Because if we're not listening and we're waiting for our shouting moment only, we miss the the answers to this question of of what shall I do? Mm -hmm. What are the steps I need to take in order to... Um, accomplish or, or move out of the space that I'm in, uh, and and that takes a lot of focus on our part. Right. And and we talk about um, the opportunity for for conversion. You identify three three areas um, where Peter says repent. So changing your thinking. Talk about being baptized, which we'll dive into that in a little bit. 
and then doing it all in the name of Jesus. So repenting and saying, I'm sorry, and I'm going to turn a different way. It's not just saying I'm sorry, right? right. Repenting is, is yeah. layered. Yeah, we, and too often we just, that's what we think repentance okay. is, is just, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to turn from whatever that wrong you had done, you got to turn from that. And, and and I would say, I add this to it, turn towards God. Mm-hmm. Because if I turn from this sin or this wrong, I can turn to something else. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I may not be doing this, but I'll be doing this. Yep. So my, my, my intention in my life is I'm turning from whatever it is wrong or sinful, and I'm turning towards God. Because if I put my eyes on God, he'll keep me from turning back to what my my focus was on at first. Mm-hmm. And so repentance is very important. Though. That's all we see. That there there could there can be no conversion without repentance. Yep. Uh people people often think you no know, um they can just jump right in and wait, right? But if you if if repentance says I've done something wrong, mm-hmm. I'm sorry for it. And I don't want to do it again. So therefore, you cannot be baptized unless you have repented. Mm-hmm. Because repentance is the acknowledgement of needing salvation. Okay. Right? So if I never, if I feel as if I've never sinned, I'll never see a need for salvation. Yeah. No, the Bible says all of us are sinned and falling short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if I'm like, yo, I don't think what I'm doing is wrong, I'll never say I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so repentance must happen before baptism. Baptism is this public display of a private conversion. Because the conversion happens between you and God. Yeah. I can't say if you're saved or not. I can't say if you have the Holy Spirit or not. You might be speaking in tongues or whatever. I don't know if you really have the Holy Spirit, but I can base how you, you, you have the Holy Spirit by the fruit of the Spirit in which you produce. But, but, but this is a private conversion, a private conversation that you and God have that I believe that you are the Christ. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you went down in the grave. And I believe that with all my heart, mind, and my soul. And that's what's make me saved. And if I don't have that true conversion prior to baptism, my baptism meant nothing. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? And, and, so, and so Peter says, I need y'all to repent. I need you to be baptized. But I need you to be baptized in Jesus' name. And, and I think this... Um, no, Matthew, Jesus says, baptize, us and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's something that we do. And now other doctrines say, hey, we're only supposed to baptize in Jesus' name. And if you didn't get baptized in Jesus' name, you really didn't get baptized. Mm-hmm. you got to go back and do it again. So other people you know, play all these different types of doctrinal <laughs> things. But, but, but for me, the interpretation here is uh, Peter is telling them, their faults and their wrongs that they've been they've done was at the hand of Jesus, right? Yeah. And and he was telling them, "Hey, you all <clears throat> killed this man. You crucified him. Yep. But now you need him. 
Mm-hmm. You, you, right? You, 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 you murdered him, but he's your Messiah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you rejected him, but he's your redeemer. So, so call his name. Right. And, and that's what, that's what I believe Peter is saying here, that the name of Jesus is important now to you all because of what you all did and how you rejected him. So when you're baptized, this ceremonial act that takes place, make sure you do it in the name of Jesus for you to remember uh, how you're saved. Now, mm-hmm. Jesus says in Matthew, that baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we go by. But others just say, based off this text, just in the name of Jesus. Okay. But I think Jesus' name is mentioned particularly here for these Jews who rejected Jesus and did not accept him. And Peter was saying, excuse me, say his name. Okay. Say my name, say my name. <laughs> so with, with I was about to add that to my sermon. Time. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so with the baptism, uh, it is a, it's a public display of your private conversion. Uh, but it tends you made a you made a comment that people are more concerned with the uh, water baptism than the spiritual baptism. Mm-hmm. And I think of a line from uh, the songwriter Kanye West, uh, where he talks about how he was baptized at least three four times. Mm-hmm. And when I think about that, I'm like, wait a minute, that's a lot. Like in my mind, you should you should only be baptized once, but there may be times where it changes, and and that's an opening where people can be baptized multiple times. Right. Is that? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Right. You know, I I I I leave that up to people. Um, you only need one dip. Okay. Uh, but some people feel as if, oh, I'm renewing my life. Mm-hmm. Or when I got baptized last time, I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, um, so I think I think we allow I, I allow that to happen. Uh, but 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 again, like like I said in the sermon, um, the baptism of the heart is more important than of the body. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it baptizes you creating a new person mm-hmm. right the water symbolizing you know, cleansing uh, and then going under the water symbolizes at least going in the water symbolizes dying going under symbolizes burial mm-hmm. coming out of it symbolizes resurrection mm-hmm. alright so that's why we as Baptists we believe in full immersion according to Romans chapter 6 um, so this is a lot of doctrinal stuff when it comes to baptism, uh, um, and 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 so that's when it comes to baptism. That's how that works. That's that's the goal of transformation, change. But but the water is not going to change you. Mm-hmm. It's simple. Mm-hmm. But it's the Holy Spirit that changes your heart, your thinking, your ways, so that you can be more engaged. Um, with Christ and with this life. And so then we have the, so we talk about repent, baptize, being baptized, <clears throat> and then doing it in the name of Jesus. And, and we look at your third point where it's the preached word compels the sinner to come. Mm-hmm. And you talk about 
saying it for the people in the back. Mm-hmm. And this is a clarification point for me. So with this crowd, we don't know a number <clears throat> of people. Well, we do. I'm t- I take it back. We know there's 3,000 people. We know 3,000 people was converted. We don't know how many were there. Right. Right. You're right. Yeah. And so there's the... We talked about tongues and speaking different languages. Does that apply here as well? Were there people in the crowd that did not all speak the same language? I'm not for sure. Okay. Um, all I know is, you know, he's preaching. So I'm pretty sure the people that, um, um, it doesn't say if he had a translator or if he was speaking in other languages while he was preaching. So I'm not for sure. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it, was, it may have been people from different dialects there mm-hmm. because of Passover. But he preaches in such a way um, that 3,000 people decide to be a part of the church. And I think that's tremendous because, um, as stated in the sermon, he does this with no microphone, mm-hmm. no sound system nothing to amplify his voice and so it took the sermon being in such a way that the people could take it and tell it to others mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure the people in the back were saying what did he say Yeah, <clears throat> and somebody had to relay what was said up front and oh okay I believe that and I'm and I'm pretty sure everybody in that crowd did not hear Jesus. Because I can stand in our sanctuary, if it's filled with 550 people, I'm pretty sure if I didn't have a microphone, everyone would not hear me clearly. Mm-hmm. Yes. But imagine, what, six times the amount of people that can fit in our sanctuary mm-hmm. trying to preach to all those people. Everyone did not hear his voice, but everybody heard his words. Mm. Right, because he was able to articulate what he was trying to say to the people up front who shared what was going on to the people in the back and the people in the back was able to hear through other people so the sermon should just live on Sunday morning it should live all week long mm. because the people that were up front people that came with church people that were involved in worship <clears throat> should be able to hear the word and then share it to the people in the back. Those who don't come to church. Those who are left out, lost, and behind, left behind. Those who are marginalized. Those who you go to the grocery store and see. They should be able to hear the word of God from somebody who is up front. And if we fail to relate to the people in the back, we're doing this um, church thing a disservice. Yeah, I think they're... they're <clears throat> That part there of, you know, we're doing a disservice to the church by not relaying the message and getting that information out, sharing the word out. And there's an accountability thing on us <coughs> listening um, to the word to to do that. Because, right. uh, like you said, your example of you were giving money to someone who was asking for it on the street, and you're no longer responsible for for that money you it's it's whatever they do with it after right. after that um and and that's our responsibility you're giving us the word 
your how you've interpreted interpreted it in prayer, in research, and fasting, and we need to continue to share that out to to people because there are people who aren't able to physically get to the building. There may be people that are having are unable to hear, mm-hmm. cannot see physical disabilities, and we still need to be able to reach those mm-hmm. people, and we need to be mindful of that because um, the preach word doesn't just live on Sunday, it should live with us every day. Yeah, that's um uh, yeah, like I said in the sermon too. Uh once the sermon is preached, what happens afterwards is not on the preacher, it's on the listener. And so oftentimes you know, and I I'm guilty of this too, you know, like, man, these people just not listening. Mm. Um or how do I gauge if they're listening? Or how long would these people listen to my voice? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, th- those those some things that I, I battle with myself. But then God showed me, yo, it's not on me. What happens after the sermon? It's on the listener mm-hmm. to decide what they're going to do with the word of God that has been preached to them. Preferably, it has been powerful to help change their lives and who they are. Yeah. I'm- Prayerfully it is. Thank you again for joining us for MTZ Overflow. We look forward to having you back again. Thank you to all of our listeners. Um, Continue to be on the lookout for future podcasts as we continue to dive into uh, the sermon and learn more about the God that we serve. Have a marvelous day and stay wonderful, fabulous, and blessed. Amen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>